Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. I want to tell all of you how much I appreciate your prayers for us over the last several weeks and the time that, if you've been following, you've noticed there's been a couple weeks that no videos have been released and there's been a couple things that have happened that I'd like to talk about today. So today I want to, uh, I'm calling this, this session, this time, Hope for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. Now I know I, I'm doing uh, a series, Hope in the Spirit, Hope in the Soul, Hope in the Body, and uh, this is kind of a combination of all of those because I was able to experience the, the connection of that. Uh, and the first thing that I want to talk about is the fact that my father passed away. And yes, it was difficult. Yes, it's uh, all of the things that you could probably <laughs> describe it. it. It's just, it's not something that we want to plan for. It's not something that we, th that we want to deal with, except for the fact that we have hope. And it's not uh, that we mourn as those who have no hope. We truly have a confident expectation. We know, and in fact, the Lord showed me, uh, I had I actually had a vision of what was happening, and I was able to see the, the connection of spirit, soul, and body, and the fact that, yes, I am a, a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And I was able to see that as, as my, my father was passing into uh, eternity and, and into the presence of the Lord Jesus in fullness, uh, it was quite amazing. And the other thing was uh, one of our Bible study members uh, locally here also passed away. Totally different circumstances, uh, different... Um, in, in basically in every way, and except for the fact that both of them were completely ready uh, to, to enter into eternity with the Lord Jesus. And so I, I want to talk about it because, you know, we, we can plan out our lives. We can talk about the, the amazing things we see in the Word, and, and we, we say, okay, here's, this is the truth about this. This is you know, let, let's let's understand this. Let's get it figured out. And, and yes, let's do that. I, I love learning and understanding new things. But I also want to talk about things that happen like this, where it doesn't derail us. It doesn't change the truth of the word. It doesn't in any way take away from the joy that we have. In fact, it's almost enhanced because of the great hope that we have, the confident expectation. And so I want to talk through that, and then I'll resume again on the uh, Hope in the Soul series and uh, continue with, with that. But for today, I want to talk about this, and I want to actually start out in uh, Hebrews 12.1. And actually, it comes from uh, something that my dad said as he was, he was laying in his hospital bed, and, and uh, there was... Definitely uh, more going on than than what was just happening in his body because of uh, conversations that he was having, um, things he was seeing, 
And during one of those times, he actually commented about uh, all of the people that he could see. And they were, they were waiting. They were, uh, it, it was full of joy. There was no fear that he had. And he was, he was very excited. And what I realized is that he was seeing the cloud of witnesses. And um, there, there was an angel standing by his bed. There was, there was multiple things that, that he saw during that time. And they were honoring him. They were, they were waiting to, to welcome him uh, with, with open arms and with great joy. And so I was thinking about Hebrews 12, 1, because of his mention of the cloud of witnesses. So this says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I look at that and I realize, you know, there we, we live in the body, and so that, that is what is most dominant in our awareness. And yet... It is the least powerful, and it gives us authority on the earth, yes. But the things, the rest of the things that are going on in and around us, our spirit and our soul, are so much more powerful. And uh, a friend of mine actually commented, a friend from church commented about when his dad passed away, he actually... Uh, would he, he narrated his process. He would say, this is what I'm seeing. And, and he would comment about it. In fact, so much that they made a little booklet that documented his journey uh, to heaven. And one of the things that he said when he, he came back uh, to full awareness and he was talking to them around his bed, and he said, what causes you to doubt? And he even said it in a way that wasn't even normal for his way of speaking. In fact, he, he said he had been with Jesus. And so he said, what causes you to doubt? And they kind of were looking around and not sure what the right answer was. And one of them said, my friend said, sin? And he said, no, no, it's the flesh. The flesh causes you to doubt. And so I, I think of that, and I think of spirit, soul, and body. Hope in the spirit, hope in the soul, hope in the body. What causes you to doubt the power that's in the spirit? Of course it's the flesh. If you're dealing with a sickness in your flesh, it is the flesh that causes you to doubt. If you're dealing with uh, anything that, that we find ourselves in, in our life here, it's going to involve something natural. It's going to involve typically something physical that... Uh, we, we are looking for answers. And so the thing that would cause us to doubt the power in the spirit is something natural, or as we talked about last time, something carnal. And so looking through this, there's quite a few things that uh, I, I would love to just go through the whole thing, but I'll teach more on this later. But uh, he says here in verse 18, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest 
and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them any more. And this is talking about the children of Israel when they they were before the mountain of God in in the desert, and they it was so much power they were terrified. Uh, but then in verse twenty two, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Wow. So if I think of that, and I think, I just witnessed this. I saw it happen. I I was able to communicate and, and, and talk through this and, and see it transform right in front of me. A person going from in the natural, physical, and by the belief that's in their soul, transition completely into the spirit. And the hope and the joy and, and the excitement of that was it, was, it was tangible. It was very obvious. And so I think of this, that this is describing the experience of these men that, uh, that I'm talking about that have passed on, where they got to experience the, the, the true intensity of the presence of the Lord Jesus. They got to experience the innumerable company of angels. They got to experience, uh, you know, all of these things. And, and I think, you know, even though it's not in our plans, even though our plans would say, I want to see full restoration. And I took this to the Lord. I said, I know what your will is because Jesus died for it. Jesus, he, he is the one that suffered through all of this. In fact, um, I, I was reading through here where it says, you have not resisted uh, to the point of shedding blood. And... Um, that's talking about Jesus when he was in the garden, that he actually was so, uh, the, the struggle that he experienced was so intense that it, it caused the blood, the capillaries in his, in his system to uh, release blood so much that it came out of his skin as if he was sweating. And so if you think of the intense struggle, physical intense struggle that that he was going through, he realized, you know what? Uh, maybe I'm not going through something quite as difficult as I thought. Uh, it's in verse 3, 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation, which, okay, so then he, he, he goes on to talk about this, but he says, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And, you re and I realized that, you know, Jesus was, uh, <laughs> it was the sin of the world. It was the weight of all of our sin that was upon him and that he was, he was struggling with and dealing with. And he, and he was taking that struggle physically because it was his physical body that had to die. It was his physical body that had to be, uh, had to be uh, 
taking the pain, taking the, 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 the curse of sin, it had to be a physical result. And so when Jesus, as a perfect man, took the sin of the world, the, the deeper blessing is that all of our sins were then paid for. So we are not made righteous by our own works. It's by Jesus. It's because he, as a perfect one, took it, and he struggled with it. It was not easy. It was intense. It was, it was more intense than anything we can comprehend. He, he dealt with the sin of the world. And then I look at my dad, who he went through a process. Yes, he did. But he didn't struggle in the same way. He didn't have to struggle because his sins had been forgiven and he had believed in his soul. And so his body released his spirit in the same way that when Jesus died, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That's the last words that Jesus said. And he gave up his spirit in the same way that my dad, my dad gave up his spirit. And these other men that I'm talking about, they did the same. And I know that when we look at the struggles that each one of us are having, we want to have them solved right now. We want to have the answers. We want to have, uh, we want to see the, the, the true result in the natural, in our body, or in our physical experience uh, and circumstances. And yet, when we focus on, when we seek first the kingdom of God, when we focus on the things of the Spirit, when we focus on where our soul is, when we guard our hearts, when we allow our hearts to be pure and right, and we lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us, and we, we set aside the weights, we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. Because we realize it's not about making everything perfect. Now, we still strive to receive the promises of God. Yes, we do. Every single one of them. All the promises of God are yes and amen. But when something doesn't go exactly like we want, don't let your heart be discouraged. Don't let your, your, your head hang down. In fact, in uh, verse 12, it says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Ah, so why would you become bitter? Why would you become... Why, what causes this root of bitterness? It's when we see the promises of God, we know the truth. We believe it in here. We know that it's true. And yet when it doesn't happen in our physical body for whatever reason... The tendency has been, and it's been the easiest tendency, to turn bitter toward God or toward the Word or toward our circumstances around us. But in, in any case, it would be turning bitter, which would be a root of bitterness springing up in your soul and, and cause a defiling instead of looking deeper than all of that, looking through and seeing the Spirit, seeing the joy that we have set before us, in the same way that Jesus endured, he endured far more than we do, we can endure. We can stand true and, and strong and tall, knowing that 
Yes, we know the truth. And we know that the answer is deeper than our physical, deeper than our soul. It goes all the way to our spirit and in our spirit. We are just men, just as in true and pure and righteous. The spirits of just people, pure people, made perfect by the righteousness of Jesus. So do we have hope for today? Yes, we do. Do we have hope for tomorrow? Yes, we do. Do we have hope for those around us? Yes, we do. It's ours to give. Freely we have received. We should freely give that hope. And we should be able to have compassion, come in and wrap our arms around those who are going through something tough, something they didn't anticipate, they didn't plan for, and looking in the Word and saying, here's the answers that we're finding, but let's not get discouraged when we don't see it exactly as we want to, as we, we are anticipating. Don't be discouraged. Let the Lord give you hope. Let the Lord give you hope for today, hope for tomorrow, deeper than even anything you can comprehend in the natural. Let him show you the way, and I promise you that you will be able to see hope every day. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.